2: Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
3: Welcome back, Empty Nation. It's been two weeks since we've been on because we, we just did the NFL draft coverage. We took a week off because Chris and I had to save our voices so we could come back today and start hammering away on these rookie dynasty mock drafts. That's what you're in store for today. I'm your host, Dan Mater, with, of course, my partner in crime, Christopher Howard, down in the bottom right corner. But we got two special guests today we got Kyle and we got Steven on to talk about all of these fantasy picks what value they have where you should be taking them in your rookie mock drafts or your real drafts that should be underway i know some of them have been happening over the past week a lot of startup dynasty drafts will be happening over this past month because everyone's getting excited it's football in the spring baby but first off let's get to our guest kyle how you doing today
4: Oh, fantastic! Just coming off the uh, Dynasty Gambit live show that was on just before, so th- it flows in nicely to this. So uh, I'm I'm already in the mid uh, mid uh, podcast rhythm to get going and talk some fancy football.
3: He's already got the reps coming <laughs> off the chest. It was Steve, the camp. Steve, how you doing, man? Now you and me, we're we're both Miami Heat fans, so we're we're flying pretty high right now.
5: Oh yeah, uh, uh, I'm I'm living life. I wish I wasn't just drinking tea, but actual drink right now to celebrate. But. <laughs> did they, did they make it elimination Thursday officially? They sure did. They destroyed sure it.
3: The they sure did. Sixers gave up in the second half. And of course, Chris, how you feeling after our, what was it? 10 hours of streaming between the first three rounds two weeks ago now.
6: Yeah. I think we're turning into veterans here, Dan. It was the second year that we've had, you know, this extravaganza for ourselves in the fantasy draft, um, you know, a combination of the fantasy draft and also betting, um, so I'm definitely trying to recover, But I am with these two gentlemen, I'm excited about tonight. I think that we definitely are excited to kind of see what these rookies are going to do and in going into the season, and we don't want your season to go up in flames like those you know sixers are. So we're trying to get you guys ready for your dynasty leagues.
3: absolutely. And now that we have locations, our boards have all changed on what values we have for these rookies. Now, just to set the tone here, the rookie mock draft is not going to be based on Superflex. It is going to be based on one quarterback leagues. I did that for a couple of different reasons. The main one being, though, I don't want to spend too much time talking about quarterbacks that I don't care about. So that's what we do with the one quarterback league for this particular mock draft. So keep that in mind as we go along. We're going to talk about different players, where they're going, who we like, and, of course, our picks along the way, too. But I would be remiss if I did not break some unfortunate news that happened today.
5: Breaking news.
3: Jerry Judy did get arrested today for tampering with evidence that that's what the charge was tampering for a domestic dispute, whether he was involved with the best domestic dispute himself. Uh, I still don't have all the details for it, but he was arrested for tampering at least with evidence. So that's going to have to play out. You guys pretty much know as much as we do at this point, as far as what a potential suspension could be, what this could mean for Jerry Judy, but, what I will say is that Cortland Sutton's value does, does rise. I don't know if anybody wants to comment on that guy, Steve.
5: Oh yeah. I mean, if he does get suspended, uh, I know the laws are very different in Colorado. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into them because I don't know them that well, but i what I've read so far is that compare this certain thing is, is a lot different in terms of the way that uh, the Colorado does their laws over there. But yeah, if, if Jerry Judy is out for, A number of games, I mean, Cortland Sutton is just going to be the wide receiver one for this Denver Broncos, without a doubt. Uh, Guys like K.J. Hamler someone who's going to step up for sure. Tim Patrick, um, the tight end situation, whoever kind of emerges from that uh, competition now. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be really good for this core because we had a crowded wide receiver core up until now.
3: Well, I thought it was kind of funny because it was just yesterday that KJ Hamler was talking about, oh, I want to be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett. I'm like, you know, you're third in the depth chart. Well, maybe he knew something before we did. I I, I don't know. (laughs) Those comments would kind of make a little bit more sense. Let's get into this rookie mock draft, though, because it's going to be a lot to cover over the next hour. So I'm going to pull it up on the screen here so everybody can follow along. Now, we got the picks. Kyle is at the second pick. I have the sixth pick. Steve took 10, and Chris took 12. So we'll see how this works out. I also believe, yes, I did. So this is going to be a snake draft. So this is based on the idea that you've done a startup dynasty mock draft, and now you're just doing your rookie draft to go alongside with it after the words. Some people like to do it mixed in. I don't know, Kyle. Do you have a preference when you do a startup dynasty draft, you want the rookies mixed in, or you'd rather have that be a separate draft?
4: the idea of more drafts is fun, right? That like you'd want it for the separate draft simply just to to have the you know more drafts, even if it's fair, unfair. The idea you were saying though, if you know, you're doing a snake draft with a startup, make the opposite order and snake draft the rookie draft. So whoever the one oh one you well, if you you know, if you get screwed in the rookie draft and you don't and you have the 112 111 well it's cuz you had the 101 early draft in the startup so that kind of does give it that balance less of a randomness also to what the startup order is there's at least a kind of an opposite effect i know sometimes you see the the startup order you reverse it and that's the waiver priority to start but that doesn't seem like that's enough like it really skews the other direction you'd rather be early in a startup so at least this way especially this year where it does feel like there's a clear 101 makes up for the fact that you're at the end of the first round of startups. That would kind of seem fair as well as more drafts and funner as well.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. More drafts equals more fun. That's first and foremost. But I also agree with you, it gives you a way of equalizing things out. And make sure you do it that way. I have been a part of Dynasty drafts where they, have, e- even if it was a startup, we did a rookie mock draft and somebody still got stuck with the, you know, the 12th pick for every single round. That's just not right. That shouldn't be happening. Not when you're starting up, at least for that first year. So kind of keep that in mind. We're trying to drop some knowledge on you guys for those who might be getting into Dynasty for the first time this season. But Kyle now, makes an interesting take there a clear one-on-one hmm, we, we'll have to see exactly when we get this thing kicked off we have to uh, see exactly how we feel about that but what were you gonna say
4: well and I wonder you you brought up startup then rookie draft any consideration to do the opposite do the, like have that same style but do the rookie draft first and then the rest of the startup afterwards is there would there be any reasoning behind that I know I've done that before in uh I guess my first ever dynasty league, but salary cap contract. So the format of the rookie draft and the auction draft afterwards always falls into place. So part of that kind of flows naturally to go every season, but if you're just doing a straight startup and you know, you're not, you're only going to have a rookie draft every year is, is, there any credence to do the rookie draft first and then the rest of the startup afterwards?
3: I mean, that's an interesting thought. I, 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 I would say I don't think it matters too much either way. So it just depends if you have a preference, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. And Chris, maybe you can help me out. But I can't think of any like pros or cons really either way to doing that necessarily.
6: No, I just think that would be something kind of a preference. And I think that, you know, to your point, I think what you're kind of looking at is having that rookie class that kind of introduced a new, you know, a new opportunity. And it's kind of you're building your team around in some senses and have that reach afterwards. So, I, yeah, I don't think the order is going to matter. But I do kind of like what you're bringing up. And I think it, yeah, definitely you want to have creative, you have some fun with it. Um, Dan, I just have one question before we get started and, sure. you know, with the draft board. Can I take Cole Strange at some point here? Or should I? <laughs> I'm at the end of the draft, so I wasn't really sure if he's still going to be on the board. Should I, you know? That option
4: <laughs> Is Belichick in this mock? Because he might reach for it. That'd be the <laughs> only yeah, danger. I just wasn't sure. Well, we may get to
3: talk about Taekwondo at some point during this mock draft. <laughs> that, that may actually come up at some point, I would have to imagine. All right, so I'm going to hit the start button here so we can get this thing going. Team one is on the board, and because I'm an idiot and did not set a time limit, the computer is not drafting right away. So let me change that real quick. Uh, I'll set it to two minutes for you guys here. So I'm, I'll I'll pause it if you guys need more time. Well,
4: and there we go. The the obvious 101, right? Brees Hall. Uh, I've, I haven't i have been in a draft, although I know we're uh, going for two. We're kind of sharing some draft results together. I think we, we basically found one draft out of probably close to, probably over 20, where he didn't go 101. So that's why I was saying clear tier one, just because it seems like he's the 101 no matter what. And then 102 gets really interesting. That's kind of where I wanted to kind of come in. I haven't had any one or twos yet, and I haven't really had to make this decision. So this does kind of force me to kind of think through this exercise uh, going this way. So I don't know if you guys want me to talk through the pick or if you had any thoughts about Brees Hall you wanted to
6: share. I'm just curious. curious. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, I'm curious, is Brees Hall necessarily the clear number one? I think, you know, obviously running backs a value and guy you want to have on your team, but you look at a situation – uh, we were kind of talking off air before the show about the 49ers backfield and kind of, you know, the flavor of the month, so so to speak. The Jets haven't really shown you, a, you know, a true affirmation for any of the running backs yet. Michael Carter played really well last year. Will there be an opportunity for him to kind of split carries and kind of, you know, vulture him? Um, so I I look at, you know, some other guy maybe on the board that maybe have less threats to that. So, I mean, I don't argue Brees Hall is definitely my favorite running back in this draft coming out. But having said that, do you guys think he is a clear number one?
3: Well, that's part of the discussion I wanted to bring up. Yes, I think most people, they think he's the top running back, and when you're the top running back, you're usually the one-on-one pick in Dynasty because getting you young is essential as a running back. At the same time, Chris, I'm with you. I know this team background. I know what the coaching staff wants to do. They brought back Tevin Coleman, even if he gets four the to five touches a game. I still expect Michael Carter to get 8 to 10 touches. Now, all of a sudden, we're looking at 15 touches there. Brees Hall, at most, is looking at 15 touches himself. And by the way, that's not something that's just an issue for 2022. That's what this coaching staff does. So unless you're going to tell me Robert Sala or at least Matt LaFleur is going to be fired at the end of the season, they'll have a different philosophy heading into 2023. I think there is concern to think Brees Hall could turn into what Najee Harris gave you last year, which I think was what some people are going to do. And Kyle, I'm going to pause the draft so you can actually look at your picks there. But uh, Steve, what, what do what do you have?
5: So uh, it's a really close one to me. I think you could take Brees Hall one, but I've really been flirting with the idea with Kenneth Walker. And a lot of people are either high on Walker or they're kind of down on him. And they kind of kind of goes after these wide receivers. But with Walker. Everyone's concerned about his, you know, past, ab- passing, uh, pass catching ability, but, you know, he didn't see enough, I think, in college to really determine if he can be a great pass catcher or not, personally, to my opinion there. And the way I'm looking at it is that Walker has a better shot to be a true workhorse back early on in that Seattle offense. We've seen Seattle over their last decade or two now that they've had, you know, workhorse back with Chris Carson's Marshawn Lynch, you know, all, Sean Alexander back in the day. I mean, Walker easily could be a guy who sees fifteen to twenty touches easily in any game. With Penny, and his injury concern, Chris Carson might never play again. I, I think Walker could make a case as the top back right now, I and mean, honestly, the top player in this draft. And I don't know if it's a self fulfilling prophecy, but them drafting Walker really seems like
4: that hurts Chris Carson's chances of going back, or, or in like in Seattle's mind, like that's them admitting that there's a very minimal chance he's back.
3: Right. Yeah, I I totally agree. As soon as they made that pick, especially with the their first pick in the second round, that's exactly how I felt, Kyle. Is just that they must feel like Chris Carson's chances of being able to return the football at least anytime soon might be off the table. When it comes down to a neck injury, I mean it, it can get really scary. So for player safety in that, I don't want to see anything significant, really bad happen to him. But that that is running a real risk, and if that's going to be the case for Shad Penny, Steve, like you said. He's only on a one-year contract, plus he gets hurt all the time. So the question then becomes with the Kenneth Walker, is it the offense you don't trust because it's going to be a Drew Locke, Geno Smith-led offense as far as we can tell to this point, and they've already been very vanilla with their play calling. Are you worried about that aspect of it? And I think that's what you have to decide on. Do you? you're going to get that usage or you worry about the offense being so crappy that Kenneth Walker can't be a great fantasy aspect for you. But Kyle, what are you, who are you going with? That's well, I nice actually guy. like oh, Marcus
4: Mariota better. So that's why I'm going Drake London there. As we see, I the like it. fly off the board, but I guess the idea of, you know, I, you know, pre-combine especially I, I had walker ahead of hall just slightly but then you know and walker had a pretty good comment I think his relative athletic score is like 923 so pretty good but you know when Brees hall is 996 and like you know it's almost a perfect uh you know athletic specimen that really speaks volumes and i don't know that the i think i'd rather trust the jets offense personally mostly the coaching staff as opposed to the seahawks offense so enough of a tear break to where you know, London's my wide receiver one. Clearly, I took him. So that's kind of, you know, and also maybe under the guise of what I was kind of saying, the alternate of, of the rookie draft before the startup. So this team has nothing at all, they have no needs at all, and kind of go best, purely best player available. And before the draft, I had two wide receivers that are you know I really thought could be the, the wide receiver one, Drake London, Traylon Burks. Still kind of view them as the top two. But I think maybe what the, the draft capital and landing spots have done is kind of, put London ahead of Burks for me. So uh, I don't have any Drake London yet. So this is the first time I get to draft him. So maybe that was feeling exciting there. So Drake London, the well, picket l- one. Let's
3: dive into that. I find that really intriguing and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I do find it intriguing when you're talking about, you like the situation of a Drake London on Atlanta with Mariota and I guess Desmond Ritter and we'll see at quarterbacks. I don't really think Ritter's going to necessarily be the answer. But with Traylon Burks, we've seen Ryan Tannehill be able to feature A.J. Brown with all of his shortfalls. You still have A.J. Brown as a top receiver there. The targets are going to be up for grabs. So what is it about Drake London's situation with Atlanta that you like so much more than Traylon Burks? Or just a little bit more, maybe?
4: Well, I think... Volume might be the 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 key there, right? And, and just like the identity of the offense needing to to flow through the passing game, maybe Mariota doesn't spark that type of confidence that like a Matt Ryan, you know, he's going to throw it 680 times every time uh, to, to that type of volume. But I, I also think you mentioned it, like Atlanta probably isn't is almost better situated to replace and upgrade their quarterback room to get Drake London a truly quarterback as opposed to Tennessee. I mean, if they're moving on from Tannehill. It's probably because they're going with Malik Willis. And uh, you know, this might be a great rookie year for Burks, but does he regress if they do move on from Tannehill and they go with Willis? Or you no, know, maybe Tannehill does extend his his time frame and then Burks does end up being the better pick. So I think that's maybe what's slightly pushing it. Again, I already had them one two, so it wouldn't it, to me it didn't seem like a massive jump to leap London over Burks for those reasons.
1: Hi, I'm Maria.
0: And I'm Mike, and we're team, team ready. ready.
3: I like it. I, I like it. All right, Chris. So after that, Kenneth Walker came, comes off, then Traylon Burks, and then Garrett Wilson. Do you have anything to comment with those three picks? Off three, I, mean, four, I, def-
6: I definitely agree with the, you know the Walker points that you guys were talking about earlier. One of the things though for me why I got kind of sold and Dan knows this I wasn't a huge fan necessarily going into the draft, but I will give the guys very explosive. And we look at the Seattle offense. You know, a lot of people are kind of down the offense. I don't disagree. Gina Smith and Drew Lock are not the answers but they do have, you know, hella weapons on the outside right now with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and they did invest in your second round pick and Dwayne Eskridge last year. So they have guys that can kind of make playmakers, no offense to tight end position. You added two tackles in this draft. Um, When you look at their offense and Pete Carroll in general, I think I do trust Pete Carroll more than I trust that Jess offense, because I think that Pete Carroll has shown you as that, you know, our guests alluded to that they're Sean Alexander, you know, Marshawn Lynch. You can go on Chris Carson, you can go on the list for Seattle, to me, this reminds me of a situation, you know, Sean, Shane Waldron came from the Rams. reminded than a Cam Akers situation when the Rams kind of took him and he kind of took over that backfield, I wouldn't be surprised if Walker becomes the man sooner than later. So I think that was a fantastic, you know, value pick for them. But I also love Drake London as well. I think that to me, this is the Cooper Cup of this draft. Uh, a five guy who can play in the slot, can play on the outside, and just kind of a, a quarterback's best friend. I, I'm also more higher than Marietta Mosar. Um, and I think that Arthur Smith is kind of sold, you know, that he can get the slot receivers, the ball, especially, I mean, you saw Russell Gage have a good year last year. So I think you put all those things together. I think Drake London is definitely one of the safest guys you can have in this draft.
3: Steve, you want to jump in there? I think you're on mute, buddy.
5: Sorry about that guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the way the first five picks have gone, I think it's what I've seen in a lot of drafts are pretty, this is basically it, you know, the swift swap between Walker and London, but, London, it gives you plenty of opportunity for sure early on in his career. And if you're looking for that, I think that's a, gr- a great situation. You have to assume that Atlanta is not going to be great there and have an opportunity to upgrade a quarterback. Like I think I, I'm with you, Dan. I don't think Ritter is going to be the answer long term. Uh, so they have a good opportunity with that 2023 class. Uh, Traylon Burks is I think Traylon Burks. I have him over London personally. I just feel like he is a bigger version of A.J. Brown who can do very similar things, especially underneath. And I think Ryan Tannehill will use him early and often. And Bob Woods, I love Bob Woods, but if he's going to be the same player after his ACL injury, who knows? And then Garrett Wilson, his talent overall just thrives. And I'm one of the bigger Zach Wilson believers, so I I love these first five picks here so far.
3: I, like it. I, I do want to jump in there with the Traylon Burks. I have a Garrett Wilson thing to talk about, and then I'll talk about my own pick, but I mean, I'm going to start the clock there for you, Steve, so you can you can select what you want to do. Uh, so so with, with Traylon Burks, I do have him slightly ahead of Drake London, mostly because I think he has a higher ceiling heading into 2022. Now, after that point, it may be it may be a little wonky depending upon what the quarterback situations wind up being, but I do look at it as... If Malik Willis were to take over, he's not an accurate guy. Therefore, he's probably going to lean more so on the bigger wide receiver, the guy who has more of a wingspan, the guy who's going to be able to you know, reach out and limit the amount of off-placement off throws that Willis is going to have and still be able to come down with the football. Robert Woods, as we know, is the type of guy that he's a precise route runner. He needs accuracy to really be at his best, And that's not something I think Malik Willis is going to be able to give him. So even as the transition from Ryan Tannehill to Malik Willis happens, I think Traylon Burks has more of a chance to stay that number one. Now, Atlanta could wind up with a really good quarterback that we're not foreseeing right now. And I do love Drake London. I don't want to get that twisted here. But I do like where Traylon Burks is in his situation more right now. Now, I do want to talk about Garrett Wilson a little bit. And I talked about this uh, during the NFL draft coverage that Chris and I did First of all, it breaks my heart that the Jets took Garrett Wilson because, again, going back to that system, that system has a historic issue with only featuring one good wide receiver at a time. So whether that wide receiver beings up Garrett Wilson, fine, but that means Elijah Moore gets thrown to the wayside. But why is it being Elijah Moore? That means Garrett Wilson doesn't come to fruition the way we would have expected him to. So either way. I feel like I get boned a little bit here, guys. Like I, I want Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson to do great. And as much as I love Zach Wilson, I go back to that offensive scheme. Debo Samuel back in the day it was Julio Jones. Uh, it's just it, the list goes on and on as far as they only feature one type of wide receiver. Pierre Garçon,
4: right back with Washington when he was the OC there. Pierre Garçon. Yeah.
3: And Pierre Garcon. Right. Correct. And that's the only thing that kind of worries me a little bit when it comes to Garrett Wilson with the Jets. Maybe he is that one and he'll be great. Then that means Elijah Moore's value is going to go way down. So it's just a very tricky situation. As much as I love Garrett Wilson, I was sad to see him go to the Jets for that reason. Guys, somebody jump I just up. I
6: was just going to say real quick, that, you know, I definitely agree with you hundred percent. And one of the things with that system, the reason that often happens is they like guys who can block out there. Typically, that second receiver is a guy that can kind of help crack block to help you know spring that running that vaulted running game. So when you have look at their receivers, Elijah Moore, Brexton Berrios, and, and Wilson, none of those guys are blocking anybody. So somebody's going to give, and they start looking at snaps and who's going to play where. And as Dan's alluded to, like that's when you start getting really concerned. Where Brady, I used to look like a breakout candidate last year and wound up being a guy that you really regretted basically drafting. Um, you know, there was definitely rumors about what happened during their preseason, but most of that, if you look at the track record, Devontae Adams was great who's been great in Green Bay the last few years. Um, So if you come with the McVay tree, different story. But if you come with the Shanahan tree, this seems to be the problem.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I wanted to make that point to go to my Chris Olave pick at number six, which is I'm glad I got Chris Olave at number six because I would have taken him over Garrett Wilson had I had a choice between the two anyway. I love his situation. First of all, I have... I know James Winston is a solid quarterback. We know he can at least make fantasy relevant wide receivers. If nothing else, Michael Thomas coming back is not a given. And even if he is able to make a return for week one, who knows how long he's able to stay out on the field. This is a guy who's not been productive and barely on the field for two to three seasons now. So Chris Olave comes in. He's already a good route runner. He can already go deep. He can already play inside. And I have more faith that he's going to be on the field for more games than a Michael Thomas will this season. And this is a team we've seen by the moves that they've made this offseason, despite the fact that they don't have Sean Payton, believes they are a playoff team. I think they're going to in order to do that, you're going to have to allow James Winston to be a little bit more aggressive than what he was in the first half of the season last year. I really like a Chris Olave for 2022, and I think he's a great talent. So I like it for the future, too. Kyle, I don't know if you want to comment in on Chris Olave.
4: Well, I guess uh, first before we get to Olave back to to Wilson. Sure. Does, does that mean that like is Burks and London a clear top tier for you of just those two receivers, or is this a a larger tier where this does run five deep and just Burks and London happen to be at the top?
3: No, as as far as as far as the rookie drafts are concerned, I do have London and Burks, and then a tier down to the rest of the guys from there.
4: Okay. Yeah, and then obviously again, you're saying o- Olave over Wilson, so clearly they're in the same tier. And you right. know, do you know Williams? The next couple guys kind of fall into that tier is like the second tier, a bit bigger. Uh,
3: I would say it's it's Wilson, Olave, and Williams, and then I have another drop off from that point when we start talking about Sky Moore and and some of those other guys as we get down there. So there would be a third tier right after that.
4: So really, drawing the line at who were the first round NFL wide receivers,
3: Curl, Curl, aside from Curl. Dotson,
4: who we well, we probably didn't like the profile and really don't like the landing spot. So there's no. Yeah, I was to just him. gonna
3: say, I was like, I think we are on the same page when it comes to Dotson. We're, we're not really fans. Yeah. <laughs> so
4: yeah. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Olave over Williams, that seems like that's a that's a tough decision that where a lot of people may be faced with that those decisions. So I think you gave some good reasonings as to to why Olave might be the answer there. Um, You know, maybe there's more of a chance he's an alpha for his team than say Williams is, uh, who might, you know, maybe does eventually become that with the Lions, but does seem like that's maybe a spot where he might end up being buried a little more and not being able to be the the true number one guy. Whereas maybe it's not the greatest chances for Alafi, but probably better chances.
3: Yeah, and Williams is so hard for me, and uh, we'll get Steve in here on this take Uh, because I love Williams. And honestly, like, had he not been hurt. I would really had a mindset that I was going to make Williams my number one wide receiver coming into the NFL draft. Now he goes to the lions. There's a clear pathway for him to become the number one receiver there. We like St. Brown, but we know he's not really that alpha guy, but you still have to deal with Jared Goff. We know they'll look to move on to a different quarterback when they get the opportunity to do so, but who that is, when that will be, that all comes into a question mark, but I know I don't like him with Jared Goff. I can tell you that much because he doesn't throw the ball deep. So uh, what do you think about Jameson Williams? Does he still stay in that number two tier like I have him, or are you a little worried about his situation? Well, I'll,
4: yeah, you know the second tier for me, and I, I know maybe I'm a little more higher on Wilson having him in the top tier, but I, I do feel like that second tier to me, maybe I'm not so high on Olave. really does blur the line, and I'm willing to put guys like Sky Moore and Christian Watson, maybe even George Pickens, in that second tier, even if they weren't first round uh, NFL drafted wide receivers, which is why I don't really have any Olave or Williams yet. Do not really feeling the need to f- pick there, you know, trade out if needed, or, or just haven't gotten the picks in those ranges yet.
3: Steve, you want to get off mute for us? There you yeah. go. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get your take because you you're going to be the next guy up to, to talk about. But in between our picks, Williams goes, Sky Moore, James Cook. You wind up taking Christian Watson. So, was were you hoping that one of those three fell to you there? And then why did you go with Watson?
5: So yeah, I, was, I mean Sky Moore and Williams, I would have loved to get. I'm still not hundred percent in on the James Cook love. I know there's so many people that are. To me, I feel like because of his landing spot and obviously the draft capital still, people are just loving it. And I, and I get it. There's a lot of thing great things about him. His pass catching ability is, is, is top notch. Fantastic. When you watch it on film, uh, to me, I just, I don't know if he's ever going to be a true feature back and going, you know, in the top nine picks right here. I just feel like there's some more risk involved. I mean, I know people like Austin Eckler has made it work, but you know, it took Eckler some time to really gauge that role for himself Mm there, uh, and I don't know if, if guy like um, uh, Josh Allen is going to be able to just dump it off consistently enough to get him to that top tier production that uh, as an Austin Eckler would honestly, I, I think that guy like Allen likes to throw the ball downfield more often. And I just feel like James Cook kind of gets out of favor in that sense there. And, and I just don't believe he's going to be a guy who's going to be the in between the tackles consistent breath there. And that's, uh, I'm not the only guy I was like, eh, I'm okay not missing on, but for my guy personally, I went with Christian Watkins and, at this point in the draft here, I mean, you could take one of these th- running backs here that just went after me, or you could take someone with has tremendous upside with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers right now. And Watson has a, a, an opportunity in this Packers offense to kind of do a lot of work. And a lot of people compared him to MBS, and he has that speed there, but I feel like he can do a lot more. He's got really good footwork, and I feel like he is, has untapped potential that, that MBS just never showed us over his what, six-year career now, four-year Career at this point. I think Watson, at this point of the draft, it has major upside in his game here. That, yes, he's coming from a D2 school, but I think working with this offense here in a way that there's no real alpha wide receiver on this team at this point, that Watson has a real big opportunity to succeed as that alpha guy and, and be that downfield threat for Aaron Rodgers in a team that, again, needs wide receivers so bad right now.
3: Well, first of all, I love the pick because, yes, you are taking a wide receiver who's got the chance to be Aaron Rodgers' number one guy. There's already all kinds of benefits that come into that sentence right there, possibly. But the other aspect of that is you take Watson over a Jahan Dotson. So do you agree? Kyle and I were talking about this a second ago. Do you agree then that Jahan Dotson, even though he has the first round capital, is somebody who's just not in that same tier when it comes to his first round wide receivers and rookie drafts?
5: No, I, I don't think he's in that same tier. I think he's in he's in another tier, which we'll find out real soon. But the way I see Dotson is that I'm saying some negative things about him right now, but I just don't see him to be a true alpha kind of type of wide receiver in this league here. Uh, for one, again, he's going to a situation which I, I'm not really thrilled with because if Carson Wentz doesn't work out, I don't really believe – I don't really know what direction the commanders are going moving forward that quarterback situation because I don't know if they're going to be that bad of a team where they're going to be – have an opportunity to really pick in the top 10. And last time I did that, it didn't really work out for them, obviously. So Jahan Dotson, I feel like he needs some, he needs to be, he's a better two. I feel like he's a guy who needs an alpha wide receiver to take that coverage off him and then allow him to kind of do the work he can. But, you know, with Terry McLaurin possibly leaving town, he could be forced into that role there. And I feel like it will be a mistake if Washington allows that to happen for J- Dotson right now.
3: Okay. I like it. Chris, let's kick this thing to you and then we'll have to take a break after that. But so Damian Pierce comes off the board in between you and Steve, and then you go with Tyler Algier as your first round pick. So walk me through that. Would you have taken Damian Pierce over Tyler Algier? And why'd you go with Algier there at the first round pick?
6: Well, first I just want to comment that I would take Jameson Williams over Olive. I like Jim I love Olive. I think that what you talk about has, you know, makes absolute sense. Jamison Winston could be the answer to the quarterback. He definitely could feature receiver down the field and I love Chris was upside. I think he's probably a better service number two receiver. Um well I think I think Williams this kid's special. And I think that just getting the balls in his hands, he could be do Tyree kill type of things. And I think that's where for me he's he belongs in kind of that his own little tier in between the top two as you guys talked about in that second tier. I think James Williams is the guy that I think falls in that kind of special spot for my book. Maybe you're not going to get what you want necessarily this year. But even that's not a guarantee. Um, you know a lot to talk about him being ready to play you know start the season so this guy you know what you saw last year isn't just a guy who can run fast you know run straight run fast this guy could do a lot of things with the ball in his hand and creates an incredible separation so i just wanted to point that out there um but for the running back situation you know i was kind of hoping maybe christian watts would fall uh, i 100 agree it's a, a great thing i hate the mbs comparison this guy's so much more talented than MBS ever will be um i think more of a guy that you know not necessarily the, the skill set per se but just looking at a six foot five guy big strong tall the good quarterback veteran, Chase Claypool is probably a guy you would look at kind of, you know, easy numbers you can kind of see projecting into this guy's hands without having to go, you know, outrageously out. You know, this guy can be next to Monte Adams necessarily. Um, but for myself, I went with the running backs. I, I I really struggled with the Dotson thing. You're great. You made a great point about, to me, was does he replace Terry McLaurin or not? If he replaces Terry McLaurin, it's a home run pick, and I think you have to have it. If he doesn't, I think his coaching staff could be on its way out as well. You have know, Curtis Samuel, a guy that's kind of iffy. Um, Terry McGlorn, the quarterback situation is iffy, off the line is pathetic. Um, you put all those situations together, there were too many questions for me to kind of you know take the capital where this, what I'm trying to do is, Talia year. I like him. Um, I love the fit. I'm with Arthur Smith. I love this guy. as a downhill runner. Um, he kind of burst onto the scene last year, so he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body. But he runs hard, and he runs fast, upright the middle. Derek Henry did really, really well and kind of had a boost in his career after Arthur Smith took over. Um, if Tyler Joe could take catch lightning in a bottle, I'm trying to take that shot with myself in the first round. Damien Pierce, I know a lot of people liked him analytics-wise. They kind of rejected him. You know, Look what he did in a couple of games that he played in Florida. His carries, he got more carries, what he could do. Um, well, guess what? He's in the Texans. And until they get different coaching staff, they were using Rex Burkhead and anything else they could possibly scrounge out there in the backfield. So there was never a clear-cut guy necessarily. David Johnson got a chance to be out there. Um, they were just throwing guys out there, so I don't think it's going to change necessarily this year or moving forward anytime soon. So for me, that situation might not change just because you're in the NFL. It might be to continue what you saw in Florida, a guy that kind of gets touched here or there, but that's not going to, you know, win me dynasty. Um, to cover myself and kind of, you know, Tyler Algier, I think he's going to be a productive guy immediately. I went kind of a long shot with my second pick, and I went with Zach White. Or I'm sorry, Steve well, hold White. on,
3: save, save that, save that for when we come after break. So yes. just talk about Algier.
1: Hi, I'm Maria.
6: Yeah,
4: so
6: I'm done with yeah. So basically, I'm hoping to get character Henry in a bottle in a sense. Okay.
4: If I I can add one thing about Algier real quick, I don't know about what you guys have seen so far in rookie drafts, but I think he's had the widest disparity of like where he's going in terms of ranges. Like I in super flex leagues, I've seen him go as high as 202, but then you know as low as the late third. Like you know, he might be the RB three in one draft, the RB ten in another draft. So uh, it's not. Especially this is a one QB league. You're not taking Kenny Pickett in the first round. Not crazy to see Algier go this high, especially in this little bit of a running back uh, run here. But uh, yeah, I think he, he, so far for myself, he's had the widest range of outcomes of where he's going in rookie drafts.
3: It's a matter of do you believe in, is he talented enough with the situation he finds himself in? But you're absolutely 100% correct. In all the drafts I've been in, Algier is somebody who can either fall. Or he's been going always high as the first round. This is not the first time I've seen this happen. So you're absolutely correct, Just Spencer. Where where do you talent him and the situation that he's in? Because it is a good situation. Do you have? Does he have enough talent to be able to come through with it? But we got to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue on our rookie mock draft. We'll do our rounds two, three, four. A little bit more quickly, but that's okay because we have to get we have to talk about these first round guys. They're the ones going to make and break your team. So everybody, stay tuned to the MD's Fancy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Summer is coming, the sun is shining, shirts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. In summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive head first into the summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscape and get ready for Hot Guy Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BellyUpFantasy. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for that summer bod. Inside this package you'll find their Lawn 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, and Performance Boxer Briefs with a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Want to take your grooming to games even further, take a look at Manscaped Shears 2.0, a package that has everything you need to look pristine nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the Performance Package 4.0, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the shears 2.0 and you'll be ready to perform from head to toe. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. And one more time, that's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. This is a summer to turn your package into the full package. With with manscape
2: you're listening to the md's fantasy football show
3: and welcome back in everybody to the md's fantasy football show we're giving you a rookie startup dynasty mock draft here tonight of course i'm your host dan mater joining here, with chris dowhower we got two great guests been going with us for the first half hour of the show Stephen pintado and kyle senra now Let's get back to Chris cuz you had your first pick for the second round. I'm going to start the clock so Steve can make his pick and we can get this thing moving along.
6: Yeah, so I want zero white. Um the Raiders running back, a guy that's probably might, you know, might have to wait for it and invest in your capital in, but what I'm looking at is a, probably a starting position opportunity at least last next year. Uh Jacobs's, you know, fifth-year option was not picked up. Chuck McNeil took over the coaching staff. We've seen him use Damian Harris. We've seen him use Stevenson. We've seen him use other physical running backs, Sonny like Michelle, for example. Guys that he'll kind of run out there and give that first two-down roll. I think these guys are clear role moving forward. The Raiders wow. have an offense of Devontae Adams and Derek Carr that I think can you know, move the ball. So this is a guy I'm hoping for, maybe not next this year. But with Algier kind of, I think, covering me this year, I'm kind of trying to get myself insurance in my backfield moving forward.
3: Zamir White. I don't think he's good, period. And that's my as my ultimate problem with him. Look, they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' option, so he could be on his way out after this season. We know Drake's probably on his way out of the season, so there's a pathway after 2022 for Zamir White. But you have to think he's good. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Who wants to jump in there?
4: Well, I mean, I think he's pretty good. I thought I I like the running talent. I know the the pass catching. Like we talk about, you know, Kenneth Walker and, and the fear of him not being able to catch pass. I think he kind of showed enough at the you know the combine drills and. And seems like what you know from just the the pro days and, and everything, like okay, he's got the ability. But Zamir White, he, you might be actually be worried about him not being able to catch passes. But from a pure runner, I actually do really like the talent. And you will say it does go to an offense where, I mean, last year they finally started throwing to Josh Jacobs, but we'll see with the whole new coaching staff if that keeps going. But traditionally, that team has not thrown much to a running back, so maybe a guy like White, you're not so concerned. Oh, he can't catch passes. He probably wasn't going to anyway. There, so uh, I I actually like him as uh, probably a, a top ten running back. I know probably wouldn't been the running back I would have chosen, but I'm also
6: apparently really high on another guy that I actually have as my RB three. So I was going to say that you know Josh McDaniels is the, you know the new off the new head coach there, and that has kind of been his mo in New England. You look at all different backfields. You know I'm a huge thing with stuff. I never thought he was only a two down back. But Josh McDaniels kind of holes you in those roles. So this guy, to me, has a clear role that he's obviously going to kind of try to fit him into.
5: Remember, he's got an injury history too, guys, so don't forget that. He's got two torn ACLs over the last five years of his football career. So but you got to take that into some account there as well. Well, Josh And had, that plays to everybody. his
3: running style, which is the, it runs very violently, which allows him to pick a couple extra yards. I, I do like that, but my big problem with Zamir White is he runs too high. He runs too high, which leads to those injuries in the first place. I just don't think he has a long career in the NFL ahead of him. And I think there is some question if he's going to really be the guy after Josh Jacobs or not.
4: Yeah, for a fourth round, yeah, fourth round NFL pick, you can't really just say, okay, he's the heir apparent, right? Like it's the, they right. could easily overdraft next year, sign free agents. Um, I will say, though, to, to your point, Chris, of the roles, right, like he's probably has, you know, he profiles to have the type of role you want, the, the goal line guy, the short yardage, the touchdown upside is kind of, I and mean, that's the maybe back to, back to James Cook, it's the absence of that, that maybe is what we're kind of all saying is the fear of, of trying of taking James Cook in the first round is not having that touchdown upside as granted as good of an offense it is.
3: Yeah. So the computer then actually picked George Pickens over Jahan Dotson too. Jahan Dotson falls to Steve. So Steve walk us through that little tidbit there.
5: Yeah, I mean, we said a lot of negative things about him, you know, last round, but in in round 2, it's good value at this point here. You're getting a guy who was a first-round capital wide receiver, you know, and he he does go to a good offense and it'll be interesting to see how they really use him, you know, you know, the OC Scott Turner you know, he was really creative using Curtis Samuel back in Carolina a few years ago when Curtis Samuel had his best season. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen that from him this past year, and who knows if he's even going to make the team. I mean, you just don't know at this point. But Dotson is someone – he isn't going to be going down the backfield and doing running running plays, but he's someone who can who's electric. He's fast. He's someone who can go all over the field. They can use him as a really big gadget player any which way. And I think at this point in round two, you're getting a guy with that kind of upside And it's worth taking a shot in a round two situation right here. And that's why it's open because he's at Gap Capital. He's probably going to be the wide receiver two on this team, potentially one. And at the round two, you, you can't beat it.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with you. When we get to round two, then I'm willing to talk about the guys like Jahan Dotson who had the draft capital, and we'll see what happens in taking those shots. And that's the thing about rookie drafts in general, I think, actually. When you get past that first round, you really are taking lottery tickets as soon as that second round really sets up. I mean, that's how quick the surefire talent, if you will, kind of dries up. So don't go into your drafts thinking like, oh, in the second round, I'm going to get another stud. Eh, you're looking at lottery tickets there when you get to that point, too.
4: It might be the end of the first, honestly, like 1-11, one, yeah. you might already be taking lottery shots.
3: That, to- totally agree. So after that, of course, Trey McBride comes off, Isaiah Spiller comes off, and the guy who I was going to go with, Rashad White, comes off. Stupid computer. at pick Team 7. I hate you. Uh, but So I wind up. I take Alec Pierce. Now, I had a... I'll pull it up here. I got to remind myself here. I had a choice between Alec Pierce and Jalen Tolbert. And I was going back and forth with that a little bit in my mind. Ultimately, I go with Pierce. Again, with Dynasty, yes, you're thinking about the future. But I typically, when I'm building my team out, I only think about... Two maybe three years down the road, but I'm looking at more immediacy because so much in the NFL can change from year to year in an offseason. When I look at Alec Pierce, I see a guy who might be their deep field threat for the Colts this season. He might be that perfect complement to a Michael Pittman this year. And something they desperately needed last year, right? I mean, the whole reason they even brought back T.Y. Hilton to begin with was just to have somebody who might be able to stretch the field. I like Alec Pierce in that role a lot. I think he fell into the perfect situation there with the Indianapolis Colts. Give me a guy who I think is going to have the big playability to win me a few weeks. What do you think, Chris?
6: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with your definitely your strategy. I'm not looking too far down the road. That's kind of what I was looking with my draft picks as well. Um, But I think that you're looking at a receiver that definitely could be productive immediately. And I like his long-term future. This is a guy that can catch the long ball. He's going to catch the deeper throws. And Portland Sutton was really good until last year. Unfortunately, it kind of fell off for him. But this guy's able to get down the field. And when you have receivers that tall, that big, that get down the field consistently, they're definitely valuable, especially in fantasy where you're just looking for a guy who can get, you know, four or five catches and make those big plays. This guy reminds me a lot of, now, not necessarily as, as skilled as T. Higgins, but I think his role could be very similar when he kind of profiles that when he brings into the NFL. So I think he's got a lot of upside.
3: Now, am I crazy? Should I have gone the other way, or would so would you guys have gone somewhere else, Steve? While while Kyle makes his pick,
5: no, I, I think this was the the pick to make at this point of the draft. To be honest, right now, I mean, I was a bit, I was, I love that you made this pick here because I've been trying to get as much Alec Pierce as I can. I mean, I feel like he will fit this offense really nicely. That you know they need someone a vertical threat right now in this offense. The defense is going to be focused on Jonathan Taylor right now. Matt Ryan might not have the same arm he did five years ago, but he can still throw the long ball if he needs to. And I feel like Alex Pierce has an opportunity to to have some early on success in his NFL career right now. So at this point in the draft, what you're looking at, he's someone who could easily be the wide receiver too or even second pass catcher on the team. I don't really think anyone at this point passed this. Maybe the guy you mentioned, Jalen Tobert, can be that number two guy for an NFL team early on in their career. Well, and, and I, I think... The first nine receivers off the board in in this mock seem to be the first
4: nine going off the board in, in rookie drafts. So kind of a clear tier. Who's that receiver ten? And I think, uh, oh, you didn't have to pick because I was I was just about to pick because I was going oh, okay. uh, to make it. Okay, I will resume before you hear that. To, 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 to basically say though, I think there's really two that I'm heavily debating between on who's the wide receiver ten. I think I would lean Pierce to be fair, so I probably would have made the same cho- choice as you there, Dan. But I think just as good of an alternate. And what I've done in rookie drafts is. I remember I, I purposely took this player once because I already had a peer share, and which kind I wanted to diversify. So uh, I like John Mechie as well. I know dealing with a bit of an injury. Uh, I was also, it's funny, Dan, similar decision you. I was debating between Mechie and Tolbert, but as we see, Tolbert ran out immediately after. So uh, now I will have to think a little bit here.
3: <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, look, Mechie, Mechie's in an interesting situation. So I think Mechie is that prototypical possession complimentary type receiver. I think that's what his ceiling is in his NFL career falls to Houston where day one, that that could be the case. I mean, goodbye, Nico Collins, your time was nice and, but it's, it's over after one year, basically already assuming John Mechie's healthy enough to be able to suit up and go. And from what I understand that that's expected to be the case. If they were to move on from Brandon Cooks, well, this isn't a good offense, but he's gonna have a floor when it comes to target share at the very least for Betchie. So I think he's in an interesting situation where I don't think he has the top end talent. I don't think he has the potential of an Alec Pierce. I don't know if he has the potential of a Jalen Talbert, but he's in a nice situation. And I do think he's a nice enough player. What do you think, Chris?
6: i think he's getting you're selling him a little bit short i think because everybody has kind of the memories of the other Alabama receivers they kind of sell this guy no he's not jerry judy no he's not the doctor smith or james you know, and williams but this guy is a really good receiver um uh, he was going to be one of the top guys until he got injured and i think when you look at a guy that's definitely a starting slot receiver in the nfl i think he could maybe possibly be more but i think he's given he's going to be a good slot receiver and we know that definitely could pay off particularly if you're in a your ppr leagues um, or in know dynasty leagues where you're looking for to get every valuable guy you can get, they can get that six, seven catches for the, you know, those yards for you. This guy I think has a little bit more than just you know a six catch. Uh, he's not like a Byron Pringle necessarily where you can catch six catches, and, you know, 60 yards. I think he's got more upside than that. He's a little more explosiveness. He definitely is better after the tackle than some of those guys in the slot that we see in the NFL right now. So I think this guy actually a little bit gets kind of you know sold short just because he doesn't necessarily profile like his other counterparts have, but he brings a different skill set that's very valuable still in the NFL.
3: Steve, help me out with this one real quick. I've been having a conundrum with this player because I love him, but I don't like his situation. I have a lot of question marks. That player is David Bell. Now he went off right before Kyle's pick there when he took Mechie. I think I don't care about his combine. First and foremost, I'm going to throw it out the window. This guy was born to play wide receiver. I don't think anybody who actually watches his tape for a second can argue with that at all, but I do do you have concerns about him landing in Cleveland. One, I think he's a similar receiver to that of an Amari Cooper, or at least the role in which I expect Cooper to play in this Cleveland offense. I still have big question marks about what Stefanski's going to do with Deshaun Watson now that he's there as a quarterback. Because Stefanski ain't a pass-first guy. That's not what he wants to do. But you just paid a crap ton of money to Deshaun Watson, so there's going to be a little bit of a battle there as far as what's the overall philosophy for this team. And that's where I kind of find myself with David Bell, where I'm a little bit worried about what is your actual upside. But, Steve, what do you think about David Bell?
5: Yeah, I don't know if David Bell is going to be someone who you can consider an upside play, but he's considered, I think, a pretty safe floor kind of player. I mean, outside of Mario Cooper, I think he is the second most complete wide receiver on this team right now. You have Donald from the Peoples-Jones. You have uh, Anthony Torres. they both, I believe, are like more vertical threat wide receivers here, which, I mean, we know Deshaun Watson has success with Will Full in the past, so it could work that way. But I think a guy like David Bell, I had him as like my wide receiver six uh, before this draft here. I mean, I was really high on him. I liked his ability to kind of play inside and outside, his ability to kind of do things with the ball after the catch. And Jarvis Landry has had some pretty decent seasons in Cleveland when he was healthy, actually, and playing on the field. So I think Bell has an opportunity to be someone that was. It's pretty a nice wide receiver three for your fantasy team. I don't know if he has that upside ever be a real true number one, but I feel like he could be someone at this point in the draft as well that can provide you with a steady floor and depth on your fantasy team. And I think he could be end up being a really good guy who plays a lot of the slot.
4: And I think maybe back to your decision, Dan, of, of taking Pierce, which again, I, I agree with, but I think what complicates that decision is that they're, all these guys that went at the back end of the second, like you mentioned Tolbert, but I think you can argue David Bell there. You can argue John Mechie. And because they're all not, none of them are really the, the same type of receiver. So it makes the comparisons difficult when you're not directly comparing. Yeah, the same type of receiver. yeah. yeah. So that that's what also makes it so much fun, right? Is, is kind of pick your own adventure in terms of how you want to approach this. Maybe you know, you're know you taking Pierce in, in leagues where the PPR isn't as heavy. Uh, Whereas, you know, if you have leagues where there's tiered PPR and the wide receivers actually get more perception than running back, maybe that's where you lean Mechie. So when it gets to this point, maybe you you play the, the scoring settings or roster settings to kind of make your decision on which receiver to go with.
3: Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. They are all different types of receivers in very unique situations on top of it, which does make this a, a fun debate. Well, Chris, let's get you in here. Talbert, Mechie, David Bell, and Alec Pierce. Which one would be your favorite if you had a pick between the four?
6: I would probably have leaned, leaned towards Alec Pierce just because of the upside. I like the explosiveness. I think the guys is kind of reaching what he can actually do. I think Ritter kind of helped him back so that offense in general. Um, but having said that, I think is a really good player, and I just want to say for David Bell, you know he's one of the guys that I love going into this draft, a guy that I think is absolutely going to be a good pro. I do think he has some upside, and this is where I'm was, I was gonna kind of point out for the offense. I, I hear your, your concerns and I, I'm also have those concerns. But I also remind myself to talk about the systems. And David Bell's willing to do the dirty stuff. He's willing to block, he's willing to kind of do the crack block things, he'll get in the he'll you know run the routes to kind of take attention from other people. It means he'll get on the field. And I think once he gets on the field, he'll become a quarterback's best friend inevitably. I bet you if we kind of fast forward, you know, we want, I'm sorry, if we wanted a couple of years ago, you probably heard someone about a Rams receiver getting drafted from Cooper Cup, about this guy, and ran, ran a terrible combine, pretty good the slot, got pretty good hands, got pretty decent table. We'll see what he can do maybe a couple of years. He might be a guy, a three or four receiver, you know, best guy you could have had last year, fantasy football. So I do think not to say David Bell will be that, but Deshaun Watson doesn't hurt when you have a quarterback like that kind of waiting, throwing you the ball. I think his upside is fantastic and a great pick.
3: Kyle, you got a minute for your pick. Talk yes. us through what you're looking at, man.
6: Well, I, I want to just touch on Rashad White going as
4: the RB8 in this class. I've been, I haven't seen him like from an RB ranking point go that late in any rookie draft. Yet. No, I haven't
3: either. That's so why I was hopefully he was falling the way he was going
4: <laughs> there. So uh, crazy value for the guy that I have is the RB3 still. Uh, pre-draft was the case after the combine. Not quite before the combine, but showing what he did. Close to Brees Hall's level of athleticism. And I like the landing spot compared to James Cook. Just simply the quarterback... Seems like they're more willing to dump down. And I know Fournette's are a little longer than, say, what Buffalo has. So maybe that's the the, the drawback there. But I, I've uh, White's the only player I have multiple shares of a rookie draft so far. And I've gotten him a lot in the, that type of range, 206 to you know, 202 to 208, anywhere in there, really. But uh, I'm going to stick with running back here. My pre-draft RB4, he fell to the sixth round. Um, but to the Cardinals, and I think a good landing spot with a good offense that has chance to score. And I think a depth chart he could immediately be the, the main backup with. So I'll go with Keontae Ingram here at the 302. Uh, pretty happy with that pick. I know uh rookie draft, maybe that's a little bit of a reach, but it's a mox. So maybe that's a, I'm also more willing to reach, also knowing my next pick is 411. Probably not going to make it there. Again, RB9 for me, he's the highest guy on the board, so I'm sticking to the board and taking Ingram.
3: Well, look, I like the Ingram pick. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Ingram pick. James Conner gets hurt, people. News flash for you. Like the guy does not play 16 games, and now that Chase Emmons is not there. Well, I think Ingram to me is the clear cut handcuff. It ain't know, Benjamin. That that ship sailed. So I like the pick there.
4: I mean, I, I like Benjamin and Ward tape wise. Like I I like those guys, but I like Ingram more. Like I I've a from lot a lot prospect I, I have him kind of a tier above those guys. So I think definitely I think he has the better vision. Uh, then Benjamin, that seemed to be the one big drawback was almost the mental side of the game because physically pretty decent, but Ingram also had a pretty good combine. So I don't think Benjamin's physically better than Ingram. And I think Ingram, you know, maybe now Benjamin's learned something being in the NFL, but I think Ingram already comes in as a prospect, much more NFL ready than, than uh, what Benjamin was. More physically actually, built to do
6: so.
3: Good yeah, right. Exactly, Chris. He is built, he's built to do so and take on that role one hundred percent. So after uh Kyle made his pick there with Ingram, we saw a little run of quarterback, Malik Willis comes off the board, Desmond Ritter comes off the board, and I think it's real simple. Good. That's where they should come off. Your third round of a one quarterback league. They have some upside because they're both mobile. Good. Steve, were you gonna I- say something?
4: I, I well actually I was gonna say good oh, for Pickett going so early, just because good for me, right? Okay, it ensured I'd get a guy like Mechie when I saw Pickett go off the board as early right. as he did in, in the middle of the second. So I was happy there. But yeah, I felt that was I don't know, I'm still feeling this is for this is probably still a little early for all these quarterbacks in a one quarterback league. Maybe uh, you know, maybe Pickett's end of the second after that wide receiver tier probably is more appropriate. Um and these guys maybe again, end of the third rather than mid third, but that's that's just me here. Well,
3: my... I mean, let me challenge you on that real quick because I know for me, I definitely have Willis and Ritter with their fantasy upside ahead of Kenny Pickett. I I don't care that he went in the first round to the Steelers. That dude's a bum.
4: <laughs> I, I yeah, I wasn't so high on Pickett pre-draft. I, you know what? In, in a one quarterback league where you don't really need the safety floor, you're, you're only purely looking upside, it probably makes sense. I, I'm kind of coming from the the super flex mold of more of my rookie draft where, I mean, I, I took Pickett at 106 in, in a league where there's two super flex spots as well as the one QB spot. So the ability to start up to three quarterbacks every week kind of does push up the value and Trevor Lawrence, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, not a good QB room. And uh, I I have a few 23 picks already knowing that I'm probably going to add quarterbacks next year, but, Know, start adding to that QB room now. So that's why I took Pickett there. But there's also, back to what I said earlier, no league formats. I had a bunch of other late firsts and did not want to take Pickett in any of those other leagues. And this is, well, if there's going to be a league to do it, this seems like the one. So I'll maybe reach at the 106, knowing that he really is one of one in Superflex in that first round quarterback draft capital, right? Like there's... Whereas I didn't, you know, if I traded back even one spot, that might've been too much. And I didn't really want the receivers there. So that that's where, again, know, know your leagues and pick your spots to, to reach on the guys you, you want to in the certain spots
3: like it. I like it. So we got to go rapid fire to close out the draft here. because we only got four minutes left. I went with Romeo Dobbs as my next pick. Yes, I have three receivers. I'm well aware. I'm taking best player available, and these are the best players that are falling to me at my spots. Romeo Dobbs, I think, has a great skill set as far as being able to be that possession. Secondary compliment wide receiver. I actually think he compliments Watson right off the bat really well, but he's that guy who's going to go inside, outside, runs pristine routes and i think in some ways might be more of an aaron Rodgers safety blanket what to move the? the change this upcoming year i love the sound effects coming out of sleeper there uh and then next those goes to uh steve there because you came up with your pick in the third round with justin ross
5: oh yeah i mean i i was i was hoping when you guys wouldn't pick him to be honest here and with raw guys, he's an undrafted free agent you know you know obviously you don't have as much you know leeway and like you know room to uh, fail uh, early on in his you know off season this year, but he's got tremendous upside. I mean, yes, he's been he's obviously dealt with some major injuries over the last two years, which basically forced him not, basically not to play the last two seasons. But he ends up in a fantastic situation with the Chiefs, and if this man can make the roster and make some noise, uh, he could be really good in, that. in the third round. At this point, you don't have anyone there that you could say in a long shot could be a wide receiver one really. And last these last two rounds, Ross could potentially, and again, it's a long shot still, but potentially his talent could make him one day possible a wide receiver one. So in the third round, it just made so much sense.
3: Yeah, everybody wants to try to get their wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes. We skip ahead to Chris. He took Shakir and he took Otten. So walk us through those two picks quickly.
6: Oh, yeah. Some bastard took Romeo Dobbs, which I was hoping was going to fall <laughs> to me because I, I love Romeo Dobbs <laughs> and I 100% agree with your your point of view um and I think he's gonna definitely be Aaron Rodgers a guy that he you know love to run the ball to I went with the guys that I think that you know kind of rounding off it was a little hard for me to kind of end it there's a couple guys still on the board that I really did like um but I wanted to go with two guys that I think are going to be starters sooner than later and I think clear Shakir is a guy that I you know we definitely disagree on what we think he's going to be necessarily but I think he's in a great spot at Buffalo I think he's a guy that's going to be that slot receiver to kind of replace Cole Beasley moving forward. And I don't think McKenzie's a guy that I think is the long-term future guy there. Um, I think when you look at his offense, kind of how they're predicated with Diggs on the outside and Williams on the other side, and then the other kid on the other side, this guy is going to be the slot receiver for them. We saw Cole Beasley be very you know, productive. And I think this guy has got way more explosiveness after the catching the ball. And then I go with K and the guy that I just absolutely love. Talked about, you know, Tampa Bay situation. I do have a little question about Rashad White type bay when Brady's not the quarterback. What will his future be? What will he really kind of have? But what I don't have a few, you know, what I don't have a concern about is the tight end position will still be something to be utilizes. And Kate Otten to me was one of the guys I absolutely love coming into this year. I know he got banged up in Washington this past year, but it reminds me a lot of Mark Andrews and actually could block as well. So you put those two guys out there, a guy we saw, you know, we've seen great, we've seen OJ Howard, you've seen Gronk all be successful in this system. So this is a guy that I think is kind of kind of the carry that torch. Gronk isn't going to play much longer. This guy, I think, was gonna be one of those guys is gonna you're gonna look wish to have
5: in
3: your tight ends and moving forward. Steve, you were like me, you took three receivers and finally took a running back in the fourth round. Walk us through that quickly.
5: Yeah, I mean Davis Price, I mean, third round capital in the fourth round of your rookie draft, San Francisco 49ers have been a team that can throw almost any running back out there and it can produce for you. I mean, if you had Elijah Mitchell who did really well and you have a pretty decent core already, why go after David Pierce? Who knows still? I don't even know still. But in the fourth round, <laughs> It's a home run. It's a you know, it's a it's hell mary pick, which could end up providing big upside early on or potential upside early on. Um, so it was pretty easy pick for the fourth round at this point.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to take a running back myself here in the fourth round, which is why I went with Jerome Ford. There's some upside here. He might be the handcuff to Nick Chubb. Maybe Kareem Hunt moves on after this year when his contract is up. This is still going to be a Kevin Stefanski, even if they throw the ball a little bit more with Deshaun Watson. I do like Ford in that scheme, in that system. So just taking some upside really morally for 2023, although we did see, third and fourth string running backs hit the field last year Cleveland because of injuries I don't know if that happened again but we'll see and then Kyle you took Taequann Thornton cap is off man well it's
4: the only wide receiver to go in the fourth round it seemed weird to not see any blue in that round so I had to correct that but <laughs> I-, I was thinking like you Dan okay I was thinking I'm gonna take a running back and but the, my highest ranked running back is Pierre Strong and I'm or, and uh, not yeah you strong. And so, thinking on the same team, am I taking the, the fourth round NFL draft running back or the second round NFL draft wide receiver? Probably going with the wide receiver and following the draft capital. That's purely what this pick is about. So, Over on Rob- was Robinson already off the board? Brian Robinson? The guy that the Giants took.
3: Oh, oh Rondale the right Rondale, Rondale, Robinson. Robinson. Rondale
4: Yes, I believe I yes. saw him go off uh, just before yeah, he, he did. In the, in the
3: third round, by 209, he went off.
4: Or 309, yeah. Yeah. No, because that was the other. Yeah, you're right, uh, Chris. That was the other guy. I was thinking of uh, like looking at, at after the Ingram pick. Okay, who's going to be my fourth? And I, uh, you know, kind of put both in the queue, knowing okay, second round wide receivers. Let's put them at the top and see if they fall. And got the
3: one that did. We know Thornton can run really, really fast. But that's going to be it for us tonight, guys. I'm glad you were able to come in. Very, very happy that we were able to have these two guests on. It was a great show. Hopefully, we'll help you guys out because it's we're in the thick of rookie mock draft season. Right now and next week, to keep in line with Dynasty, and Kyle, you'll like this because we're kind of doing this in the order you suggested. Next week, we're going to do a Dynasty startup mock draft, and it's going to be 12 rounds long for that one. So, we're going to be good to go next week, month of May. It's just going to be mock draft central. After that, we're going to have a best ball mock draft, and then we're going to have an early redraft mock draft. And that's all going into our team profile series, which will kick off in June. I'm Dan Mater. We have Chris Dowhauer here. I want to give our guests a couple of minutes to say where you can find them at and where you can follow their shows and the content they have coming out. So Kyle, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Steve.
4: So judging from the hat, you can see at going for two for anyone watching the video, uh, going for two is a company I I write for occasionally, but mostly doing a lot of live streaming. I've got the dynasty gambit, which is on every Thursday or every two Thursdays at eight 30. So our next show will be, uh, uh, May 26, we'll be talking some Devi. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking rookie mock drafts just tonight, just before the show, uh, and uh, or rookie, uh, or actually rookie draft results, I should say. And then yeah, we'll talk some more Devi, uh, just incorporating that. So me and one of my co-hosts, we do play in some Devy leagues, so seeing how some of those Devi rookie drafts are also starting to happen as well as rookie drafts. And then I uh, co-host the press coverage show. Next episode will be on Monday, May 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So John Hogue from the Superflex Super Show will join me. It's a show where I'll have a lot of fun, get to know the content creators behind all these great fantasy football stuff and uh, talk about a lot of their passions and their what they love outside of football as well as some, some football stuff. We can't ignore that completely. I also co-host a couple of podcasts for full press coverage and write for them as well. Uh, full press fantasy pod and the full press Packers pod. I am a uh, go green and gold and Packers fan. Uh, but yeah, uh, all that great content uh, again on Twitter at Senra says,
5: and you can find a lot of uh, what I'm doing there.
3: Make sure you follow him along. And Steve, where we can find you at, and what you got coming up?
5: Yeah, damn, Kyle, you do so much, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, guys, uh, you know, I, I host and, and co own the, the fantasy coaches podcast. Uh, we go live most Mondays and. Eventually Thursdays, uh, so you can catch us every Monday. I know Dan will be on in a few weeks, June first. So mark it in your calendar. But yeah, just go visit our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We got all of our rankings. We have articles popping up there daily. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel at The Fantasy Coaches. We've been putting some more things on there and hoping to do some more over the over the summer with redraft coming closer and closer. So just give us a follow, and then obviously on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy.
3: All right, guys, we'll be back next week, Thursdays at 10 p.m. That is going to be our new time for the offseason. So we'll see you then on Belly And MD's Fantasy Football Show is coming through in the clutch with In The Clutch Sports Apparel, your one-stop shop for all your unique fandom sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports, your favorite players, and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan Will have. Go to in the clutch.com and use promo code BellyUpMDFFShow for 10% off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code BellyUpMDFFShow for 10% off your unique fandom collection today.
2: You're listening to The MD's